Welcome to the CFC Jacks Midweek Podcast, where we discuss topics related to becoming a fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. We hope that wherever you are today, you'll be encouraged by the truths discussed in this podcast. Well, welcome to Q&A. We are so glad you're here this morning with us. There's a number up on the screen, and that is for you to text in questions this morning about the sermon. So we're excited. We just <laughs> ran over here. I honestly thought that closing song was a little bit longer, So, um, but we're so glad you're here. Um, yeah, it reminded me of the Bible verse, I stand at the door and knock. Usually Tracy's in here before I am in the studio, and there's a code, and I don't know the code, so I was like... I started knocking and she didn't come, and then I saw her coming the other way. So, just kind of a funny moment. We made it. Things you didn't need to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we were closing yeah. during the Lord's Supper, um, and just talking about different things, that is where we've distrusted mm. the Lord, and how that grows us in our gratitude yeah. for the Lord. Um, was just made me think about the gratitude for those difficult situations in life. Yeah. I was reading in Job this morning and how he praised the Lord hmm. even in the hardest of times, but yet that grew him hmm. in his walk and his trust in yeah. the Lord. Yeah. There's uh what I what I hope and that's what you've captured is that sometimes we think, um, how can God allow things to happen? And why did he even put a tree in the garden? I know that's a stumbling block for some folks in my life of why why a tree in the garden if, if this was going to be the unraveling. But there is this truth. There are things, truths about God in his fullness, in, his, in all of his character that we would not know apart from the reality of the brokenness of the world. There would be no need for knowing about things that are actually have become most precious to us, the mercy of God, the grace of God, right. the love of God demonstrated for us in spite of our failure, the kindness of God, mm-hmm. uh, that we would not know apart from brokenness. So. Yes, that's true on the broadest scale, the grand, most grand scale of all the universe and all humanity. Mm-hmm. But what you did, Tracy, is you said, okay, if that's true on that most grand scale, that's going to be true in, in my life. Right. <clears throat> now, the, the scripture says, oh, so if sin highlights grace, why don't we sin all the more so that then grace would be all the more? <laughs> Uh, here's the reality of that. I don't need to intentionally sin more for high, for grace to be highlighted. I sin plenty uh, without intentionally going, oh, grace needs a greater platform. My life in and of itself gives enough platform. And then it goes to ex- on to explain the power of the gospel, not only in the death of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ. If you're wondering where I'm referring to, that's all in Romans chapter 6, if you want to read it. But Romans 6 asks the question, should we shin- sin more so that grace would abound more? Now, there's sin ab- already abounds mm-hmm. for the reality of grace to already have abounded. And now the grace of God in the believer's life is not in that they just keep on sinning. It's that they have been set free now from the power of sin and can begin to live life as God intended us to live. So there's saving grace, and then there's this sanctifying, growing grace that abounds in our life. But all that to say, again, it is in the in the hardship 
that we experience God. You referenced Job. If you read the book of Job, Job ends up knowing the Lord and experiencing mm-hmm. the Lord in ways that he would have never known and experienced the Lord because of the loss of his health and the loss of life in his family and his commitment not uh, as Adam did to listen to Eve, he did not, Job did not listen to his wife and curse God and die. Rather, he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And it wasn't just a resignment, hey, the Lord takes away. It's a belief in the goodness of God in all things. Again, we wouldn't see that except for uh, what we see in the most grand scale of Genesis 3. That's why, that's really why I love the message this morning to see not only the awful brokenness, but to see the bright, shining light of who God is in the midst of that. So Mm -hmm. long speech, sorry. There's maybe a question. (laughs) (laughs) There is a great summary. This is not why we do this. Extended sermon by Doug. Question. (laughs) Question here. Uh, Why would it be a negative to know the difference between good and evil? That's never made sense to me as a consequence. Huh. Well, it wasn't the consequence. It was, well, I guess you might, th- I've never really thought about it as a consequence. Mm-hmm. It was what the tree brought. So I guess you could see it as a consequence. Um, what was happening there is now they would, if you see it, um, this was a, a, a mercy of God that I chose not to actually. There was more mercy in here than I chose, and I think it will answer this question. It says at the end of chapter 3, not only that they remove him from the garden, it says, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, they remove him from the garden, and they set a guard over the garden. So I I understand the picture here is now they know what they did not know before, but they know it because they are have lived in disobedience to the Lord. So they are separated from God, and if they eat from the tree of life separated from God, then there is no chance for reconciliation. So it was actually the mercy of God that, that put them out of the garden and kept them coming back from in the garden because they knew what God knew but were separated from him. So if and would be eternally separated in that state if they ate from the tree if they ate from the tree of life as well. So there was the mercy of God in doing that. Now to the question specifically of why did why is it bad to know what they knew that tree was reserved for God. Hmm. Eat it and you will die. In other words. When they sought to eat of that tree, that's what I said, will be like God. And you and I were not made to know everything that God knows, to be worshipped like God. We were made to be creations of God who worship him and live under him. So in doing so, the eating of that would make us attempt to be like him instead of being worshipers of him. So I don't know if that will help the one who asked that question, but in doing so, the text says that that they would become like God, and we were not made 
we were not eat because we were not made to be God. We were made to be worshipers of God. Our intended purpose. Yes. Yeah. I'm not certain if this question is referencing the situation in Genesis or current day. But says, why does God delay consequences for man's sinful brokenness? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> maybe in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the question from Genesis is, why does he delay it there? In other words, they, <clears throat> you would say, well, he delayed, they didn't die physically mm-hmm. immediately. Well, you and I think when he says you will die, that God meant, oh, they're going to die immediately. Mm-hmm. We don't have any sense that they would die immediately. They did experience consequences immediately. They did not uh, experience full consequences Mm. immediately. And I think there's actually some mercy even in that. If I experience the full consequences of my sin immediately, I would die immediately. And I'd have no moment to, or life to, come to know the mercy and grace of God. So uh, why does he delay consequences? I think it's so that we might experience his mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. It's not because he's slow. Uh, I shouldn't say because he's not. He's reluctant to give them. It reminds me, I appreciate the question, it reminds me of 2 Peter 3, 9, um, when uh, Peter writes about the coming of the Lord, and then he addresses those who say, well, we've been saying it a long time, why does... God continue to delay. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this, this is what made me the question of delay. And Second Peter three nine says, "The Lord is not slow about His promises. Come, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance." So maybe you don't understand why God was slow then, or maybe you're frustrated that God is slow in bringing consequences to other people in their sin, recognize that is the mercy of God in his slowness, not because he's slow, but he's patient. Why? Because he wants people to experience mercy and grace. Now, how often has that been true in my life, that in God's slowness, then the fact that God has not immediately punished me fully and completely for my sin, I'd be immediately toast. Uh, Because God was patient, I've come to know Him and come to know repentance and to be able to walk with Him. Hmm. So did that answer the question? Yes, I think think in that that slowness allows, I mean, we're humans, we're very limited, kind of allows us to almost process and catch yeah. up to the fact, oh, what I did was wrong. Now, yeah. you know, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit to give us that time. And it's such a sweetness when you experience that coming back to the Lord yeah. in in those moments when you know you have done wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is mercy uh, that God uh, is offering in his delay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next question here, you talked about uh, relational issues yeah. stemming from disobedience, and then we have to take care of our... Yeah. issue, if you yes. will. Mm-hmm. Um, so question is, are you saying the Bible says we have I have to care for myself before I can be in a healthy relationship with others? Yeah, I didn't, I never used the word care for myself. So mm-hmm. I'd be reluctant to join that statement without being able to ask the person to unpack that sure. statement. Um, but there is a reality that my own 
inability to get past shame or guilt in my life will always keep me from being able to love others and forgive others. See, if Mm. I cannot receive God's forgiveness of me vertically, then there's this inward, I continue to carry guilt because I can't receive that forgiveness, then I'm going to have great difficulty in forgiving others. Forgive as I have been forgiven. But if I can't embrace that forgiveness... I'm going to continue to hold a grudge. So I'm not sure necessarily what the phrase care for myself means, but do I mean that there needs to be right relationship with God, wholeness here, restoration here, so that there can be some inner restoration, healing from brokenness, healing from shame, healing from guilt. And, and that's not psychobabble stuff. That's the gospel, that our sin has been taken out of the way, that we've been reconciled to God, that there is now no longer any, uh, Romans 8.1, there is for now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, if I continue to condemn my Self, even though the scripture says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, if I don't embrace that inwardly, and I just think it's here, I just won't take it here, then I'm always going to live in condemnation of others as well. So yes, there is a work of God in the healing in my own inner man that has to happen for there to be healthy relationship outside of me. This is why the power of the gospel, the difference between the gospel and behavioral change is this. Behavioral change works from the outside in, and the gospel works from the inside out. So yes, um, there must be an embracing and an aligning of my heart and my beliefs and my thinking about what God has done for me so that I can genuinely love as I've been loved, forgive as I've been forgiven, to help as I've been helped. Everything that I can process in terms of an embrace that God has done for me will then set me free to be able to do for others. And it's huge when you realize, I have been forgiven so greatly how can I then withhold forgiveness from this other person? Right. And so right. that withholding of that forgiveness creates such friction in a relationship. So it really is a, a game changer, if you will, and the ability to love beyond your own strength because mm-hmm. the Lord has loved you beyond anything you could do for yourself, yeah. just like Trevor's testimony this right. morning. Uh, so it's a, it's a powerful, powerful right. movement. You know, I think it's important that we understand it, like in our the Hope Center, our counseling ministry here. We understand that there are always presenting needs that bring people to counseling. It may be uh, brokenness in the marriage or it may be brokenness in the home. Uh, Those are the presenting needs. But all of our counseling will understand it has to trace back to our relationship with the Lord. And then what our relationship with the Lord is doing to us inwardly and then how that is impacting others. Mm. This is why sometimes in our marriage counseling, we realize, wow, there's going to be a point where we need to bring husband and wife back together, but there needs to be a time where the husband counsels separately from the wife because there are personal issues that have to be addressed before then the relational issues Mm -hmm. can be addressed. Otherwise, 
it's just always will fall back, and that's why I think Genesis 3 is so insightful. It will always fall back to blame, 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 and will not make any progress until some personal individual issues are addressed. Mm -hmm. Our individual relationship with the Lord. Which obviously points us then back to the Mm -hmm. Lord, which is, you know, one of the great uh, joys of our counseling ministry is that not only have many marriages been healed, uh, people who came with brokenness in marriage recognized their greater need was a relationship with the Lord. When that was restored, then they had a new foundation to build their life upon and therefore a new foundation to build their marriage upon. Mm, Absolutely. Um, Next question. You mentioned near the end a real struggle men feel with work and then at home. What about women who work inside or outside the home? Yes. Uh, I don't mean to take that uh, away at all, that I think it can be... uh, just as real for women. I bring that up because um, stereotypically, men are understood to be far more angry. And I was attempting to address the question, the observation, why are men so angry? And to show that it's the unraveling of everything good that so everywhere a man goes at work, home and in the mirror, he finds himself lacking and not what God, by putting eternity into his heart, what he knows in his heart of hearts he was intended for, and nothing works. And when nothing—I just, you know, yesterday— when things don't work, that makes me so mad. Do you have a project that went wrong? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, I took down these really cool spring-loaded shades from our screen porch to put up some curtains because I love my wife and she wants some curtains. And in taking down the shade, the roller shades, I didn't realize it, but then you put them up and somehow we have to reset the spring, the tension, and we don't have the little tool. And I wound it up about 80,000 times, and then it just would it would shoot down with the intensity that it's supposed to shoot up. And I was mad. And then I knocked stuff over, and then I'm mad because I knocked stuff over because I was mad. Because, eh. and, Chain reaction. And Jackie giggled at me. <laughs> And I said, I don't think it's funny. (laughs) Of course not. Yeah, so that's just real life right there. I think we recognize uh, we were were made for things to work, and we live in a world where things don't work, and it makes me mad. So I was answering the question. I'm not saying that that's not true for, uh, for a woman. You, you worked outside the home, mm-hmm. and uh, so anything that you want to speak to that from a woman's perspective versus a man's perspective? The one thing that comes to mind, yes, I have worked outside and the are home, working outside and the I am working outside the home now with two kids at home. Yes, um, my husband and I both work, and I think one area for me that has been a struggle and yes, anger with when logistics aren't working, okay. uh, that can certainly be a challenge, can just really throw me off my game for the day. Like, this fell apart. Why didn't it work? And it's, it's a frustration. Um, but also when our kids aren't behaving or 
um, not fitting into a situation that would simplify things, like when they're having a tough time and it's just making things more difficult. I can find myself being very frustrated with that in the frustration rather than in the guiding process. And I'm sure dad's also experienced yeah. that too. Um, but I've just known that's been something for me as a mom. That's interesting. I don't, uh, this is a totally uncooked raw thought. So. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but I do wonder if kind of the way, cause God made us uniquely male, female, mm-hmm. that a male feels the brokenness at work and his relationship and responsibility in the world, he feels that more deeply and therefore can go more frustrated and angry about that. And the woman, as the more the nurturer by God's creation, uh, feels the brokenness of relationship. What you just said was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, you feel things at work, but I think if I was listening, you were like, but I feel the brokenness at home and with the kids, that frustrates me more. And it's not that that doesn't, there's me, and that things at work don't frustrate you, but I wonder if there's a weightiness there based on the way God has made us male and female. It could be. It could it, be. It's an uncooked thought. So well, and take it. that uh, struggle, whether it's at work, I've experienced that coming home in and influencing my parenting. Sure. So rough day, difficult situation, that might, but it's still in yeah, that's never my husband. But, that's, that's just to be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. Uh, so I've noticed it in that relationship specifically, um, and also with my husband, I think in any relationship, but where mm. you're most comfortable at home is usually where that tension or whatever stress you've yeah. had is going to reveal itself right. in an unloving way. Yeah. Again, it's not, it's, it's a, it's, probably too much of a generalization, but uh, there is that sense of uh, oftentimes men can feel brokenness in terms of productivity mm-hmm. more than relationship mm-hmm. and relation and women feel more the relational brokenness more deeply, mm-hmm. just the generalization. Yeah, I've certainly... Not sure how we got there, but... Oh, that's <laughs> the question of men. Would it be true for women mm-hmm. as well? And you said yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah question here. What dangers or warnings do you see in the area of artificial intelligence as it relates to the attack on humanity? Oh, wow. Let's, uh, let me first acknowledge um, I'm not probably smart enough to answer that question. Uh, there are, I am sure, far more dangers than I could even recognize if I thought about it for a long time. You know, when I just see it now, I just see the danger of a student, a college student doesn't need to think anymore. Hmm. He just needs to know how to work around the system. And so he can put in the parameters and he doesn't have to learn to write or be creative or to process. So that's the obvious that's one of the most obvious dangers now it's going to it's going to further reduce the effectiveness potentially of our education because we're going to allow machines to do uh, for us what we were intended to do in terms of thinking and processing and communicating in the same way that in some ways the way we were made to work with our hands and to be productive the way we move to mechanizing those things with machines i think uh, 
has a negative effect. And so instead of people actually working at things, then instead of working physically, they go to the gym and pay somebody else or buy things to do things that you wouldn't have to go to the gym if you simply did those things. That's just a thought. But uh, so that will be, uh, it will it will most obvious, and I, I can't off the top of my head think of the specific expressions, but it will continue to move us away from, and I think what this is what the question is getting at, from being human and unique in our humanness. It will all... It will all sound the same. It will rob, I believe, actually, this is a reality. It's going to rob God-given creativity, um, artificial intelligence will, and God-given uniqueness of expression are some of the things I think that AI will do. Well, we appreciate your questions this yeah, morning. Question. Really, really grateful for that and hope you guys have a great day. And again, if we can help you in any way, get connected or answer further questions, would you please reach out to us? It'd be a privilege to yep. be able to serve you. So hope you have a great afternoon. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CFC Jacks podcast. Be sure to watch as we release new teachings weekly, along with additional content during the week. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.cfcjacks.com. Thanks for listening.